Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Corner, llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. El Arsenal marca Olivia Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnerblog. Goodly evening to you. Goodly evening. Podcasting by dark. Who would ever thought? It's weird and spooky and slightly arousing. What can I tell you? <laughs> it does. It does feel more intimate. It, feels, it, it does. You know, it's a more romantic hour, certainly. It is. I'm sitting here in my robe. Lovely. I'm not vision. really. I'm not really. Oh, okay. I was, I was enjoying that image, but no problem. I was just trying um, to turn you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was effective. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad I still doing? have it. <laughs> you I'm, do. You yeah. do. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I've been out all day. You see. Um, doing what? I was at the All Ireland Football Final in Croke mm. Park. Now, forgive my ignorance. Is yes. that is that football? Football or what's going on there? Gaelic football. Gaelic football. Right, Gaelic okay. football, where you can also pick the ball up with your hands. But you kick it a lot as well. I see. The kind of football that Jake Livermore was playing this weekend. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, pretty much almost exactly that. Dublin were playing Mayo. Indeed, Mayo. Okay, and who who came out on top? Nobody. It was a draw. There's going to have to be a replay. Yeah, that's allowed. We don't even, there wasn't even extra time. None of that. So first game ends like uh, Dublin had the ball in the Mayo half, they had like a, a sideline ball. They could have just kept the ball. But the guy decided, I'm going to try and seal the deal here. I'm going to go for a point. Dublin were leading by a point at that stage inside the last 60 seconds. He went for the point, missed. Mayo took the ball, whacked it upfield, and scored a very good point themselves. And uh, it ended all square. So now there's going to be a replay in two days' time. Or two two weeks' time. Uh, two Ooh. days is a little bit... A little bit uh, difficult and presumably you're, you're back in dublin in this yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean i'm not I like a disclose. huge i'm not a huge aficionado of, of gaelic football but obviously i would prefer i prefer dublin to win but if it, you know it was nice to go to a sporting event where i wasn't hugely invested in it i wanted dublin to win but if they didn't win mm. it wasn't going to like ruin my day but yeah it yeah. was it was I just see. nice to watch the sport what's your what's your disclosure here my disclosure is that my family originally are from Mayo, so really I should be pitching against you here. I should I should be rooting for a Mayo win in this. Yeah, I think it's been a number of years since Mayo won the All-Ireland uh, football final, so there was a lot of support for them. Dublin are yeah. a bit, you know... I don't, I don't if, want to If they say- were football clubs, 
Who are they in Premier League terms? Who are they? I, Dublin. I guess Dublin would be like, in a way, Manchester United at their peak because everybody wants Mayo to win. You know that way. So anyone right. but United, it was a bit. It's a bit anyone but Dublin. Um, okay. And Mayo, I don't really know because I, you know I haven't been paying a huge amount of attention. But they were very good, and there was quite a bit of violence during the game. That was that was enjoyable. There were guys punching each other, and there was off the ball stuff and shenanigans, and it was it was good from that point of view because it's such a huge pitch. The ref is down one end, and the way that the game works, the players they 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 stay in their positions quite a lot, so the forwards stay like uh, you know right up uh, in the opposition area, and they're man marked. So pretty much everybody's man marked, and you can see them going, "You you cunt." Fuck off, cunt! And he's going. I'm not a cunt. You're a cunt. you're the cunt. Fuck off, cunt! And they're just giving the sledging and it's and grappling and like throwing slaps at each other. It's tremendously entertaining. It does sound so. Although it sounds as if I could never attend one of these games. Surely I would get caught in the crossfire and horrifically hurt one way or the other. <laughs> uh, nobody in the crowd got uh, in any way damaged. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past you to uh, to do that. So, well, maybe we can uh, we can discuss this in two weeks' time. Uh, you can be you can be the Mayo guy, and I'll be yeah. the Dublin guy. And, I'll tune uh, in. Yeah, tune in. It's on Sky Sports. Sky Sports have all the rights to to Gaelic football. Really? Yeah, they do. Do you not remember like? I think they got them maybe two years ago. And uh, have you ever watched hurling? Yes, a bit of hurling. I have All right. So hurling, if if uh, if people don't know what hurling is, hurling is the other Gaelic game apart from football where you have a stick and a ball and the guys just fucking smash the ball with their sticks and smash each other with their sticks. And it's it's an incredibly... Uh, exciting, incredibly skillful game. You know, they're pulling this little ball down out of the air and they're firing it over the bar from 60, 70 yards. It's amazing. But the first mm. year that they got it on Sky, uh, Sky bought the rights uh, and they're showing it. And people in England can see this for the first time. And there were just people putting together these web posts. You know, the way people like collate tweets uh, and they go, oh, well, look, this is what people were saying about this. Um, but they put together these posts of people going, what the fuck is this game? This is fucking mental. This is incredible. What are they doing? How, what are they doing? What did the sticks? They're like, what? How, how do they have any teeth? All that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's. I don't know why I'm telling you about hurling now. Why are we talking about hurling? I don't know. I don't know. But it sounds, it's, I mean, I've only seen bits and pieces, but it is an absolutely ah, fascinating game. I'm just game. saying that the, 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 the replay will be on Sky Sports ah, yes. on October the 1st, uh, Saturday, October the 1st. And I think that weekend Arsenal are playing, they could be playing Burnley, something like that, but they're not playing until the 2nd of October, so it's free for everybody to watch. Yeah, Arsenal are playing Burnley away on the 2nd of October, so the 1st of October, uh, you'll be the Mayo guy and I'll be the Dublin guy and we'll see how it all goes. Oh, fair game. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. How are um, you? Well, that sounds terribly exciting. I'm good. I've had a, a lovely restful weekend. Good. Um and I had, what a lovely Sunday I had watching my hometown uh, of Watford on the telly against <laughs> Manchester United. I was watching a bit of that uh, today. I saw a bit of it before I left, and then I was watching a bit of it on my phone uh, via a streaming site because it was quite enjoyable. And then we were in the in the pub before the game, obviously, having a pint, and we were watching it 1-0 to Watford. Then it got to 1-1, and then we were like, oh, this is going to be like... <sighs> Typical. And then, of course, Watford scored and made it 2-1. And just as we left the pub, I think they uh, they got... Did they get a penalty? Was that what it was? 
Uh, I, actually, I'm forgetting now. No, I think it, it got to one all. United scored, Rashford scored. Yeah. And then, yeah, 95th minute, 95th minute, they got a penalty, yeah. Yes. Uh, Zuniga scored coming off the bench, and then Maran Fellaini. Basically, Watford brought on a player who I've never seen before, and his name was Success. Have oh, you, have you seen yeah, him? yeah, he played against us. He came ah, on. okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, I only on. saw the highlights of that game. So he, um, yeah, Success came on, and it you know, lived up to his billing, really, with a brilliant run down the left. And Marin Fellaini tripped him up in hilarious fashion, frankly, <laughs> nearly as funny as his dyed hairstyle that he's sporting at the moment. And Troy Deeney took a penalty. I mean, I hope Alexis Sanchez was watching it because he absolutely leathered the ball into the net. Oh. Uh, just smashed it past her hair. Oh, and, I love uh, that. Yeah, that was it. 3-1, oh, game that, over. That was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, you know, I enjoy watching uh, Manchester United get beaten. I believe Mourinho was, was unhappy. He was blaming the officials. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There was a bit Three of a... Three defeats in a row yeah. for Manchester United now. <laughs> Specialist in what? I don't know. No, taking his taking his Chelsea form uh, <laughs> into into United. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw a, a great tweet. I can't. I forget who it's from, but someone just had written "special once" as opposed to "special one," <laughs> which I really enjoyed. No, it's good, and anything that makes Jose Mourinho unhappy is obviously a really good thing. It's the, oh. the, there's no way around it. The, you you can't dress it up in any, any other way. When Jose Mourinho is unhappy. Normal people should be should be very happy. They should be pleased. They should take some comfort from his from his misery. I you know I, I don't know what else to say other than it makes me really happy when he's unhappy. Am I, 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 a, am I a small agree. man? Am I am I petty? Am I bitter? What is it? Or is it just? Should, it feels normal to me. It feels normal to me as if like I'm hungry, therefore I'm going to eat something. When Mourinho's well, unhappy, it's a, it's I'm, a, I'm happy. It's a tale as old as time, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, we love to see the bad guys get their comeuppance. And I don't think anyone out there could argue that Jose Mourinho is one of the good guys. You know, every every great story has the kind of karmic retribution where someone, you know, gets their dues. And yeah. I think when Mourinho suffers a defeat, it just feels like the the natural conclusion to his behaviour. So mm. it's, it's, that's why it's so satisfying. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's it's, it's so it's infuriating very when good things happen to him. Yeah, well, that's that's the converse, and we've mm. lived through enough of that. I think that it, it, it's yeah. now. It feels like it's it, we're getting something back, a little bit of a return on our not investment, but on the pain we've had to suffer for for him uh, having a good time. Exactly. So, yeah, we paid our dues, uh, and, and the same is true of Manchester United more broadly, isn't it? We put up with them winning everything for such a long time. Now it's time to sit back and have a bit of a laugh at them. And it's I, uh, yeah. ever so fun. It is, it is. And I think also when, you know, whatever Jose Mourinho might say about uh, the, the officials or some of the decisions, you are the guy, motherfucker, you picked Fellaini and Rooney. Yeah. So fuck you. Don't fucking blame anyone else. <laughs> That's, it's like, no, come on. Yeah. I mean, Rooney was extraordinary, extraordinary for United today. I mean, the, the probably the worst, the worst I'd say I've ever seen him play. Wow! Quite how he's holding on to his place on that side when he's taken up a position where Pogba really should be playing. You know, that kind of creative yeah. number ten role. You spend a hundred million pound on a player to play him out of position. I mean, it's madness. And long may it last. 
Yeah, long may it continue. I'm long delighted to see him in there. Um, did you week see in, the, week out. Yeah, did you see the Harry Kane thing? Which thing was this? I don't think I did. He got he got taken off injured. And if you uh, check out the timeline of our, our friend at West Antone, he's got a vine mm. of Harry Kane being stretchered off and he sucks his thumb. That's <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I've never seen anything like well, it. Well, hang on. Was he taken off with a thumb injury? No. His ankle, apparently. But he sits there on the stretcher and then just goes like... Oh, my God, I'm <laughs> watching it now. His thumb. Look at it. What is going on? I don't know. He's sucking his thumb. It must be purely... It can only be for comfort that he was so... <laughs> <laughs> so distressed by his injury. Um, that's absolutely maddening. Either that or... I, I, I mean, no, there's no other way around it. He's, it's either wow. that or he's got, like, a little baggie of MDMA in his yeah, shorts. Yeah, I was going to say, and he's, he's got something on his thumb that he's like, oh, that's a bit moreish. dipped it into, that, yeah. Yeah, he's like drugs. What could that possibly be? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it's uh, it's funny looking, right? Yeah, I mean, they played Sunderland today. Is it that he, you know, he was hoping to get the taste of, I don't know, Kone off his, off his <laughs> thumb? I, I don't know. I don't uh, know either. Oh my god, Jillabodji, the other centre half. He had a little. Oh, everybody! <laughs> little everybody loves a little bit of Jillabodji, James. Yeah, <laughs> it's a delicacy, apparently. <laughs> um, I don't know. Very strange, but uh, obviously, also sad to see Harry Kane injured. What? A, what a sad day all round. It has been. <laughs> it has been a yeah, difficult, difficult. I think we should have maybe a moment silence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So look, <laughs> so look, Arsenal, Arsenal. Arsenal had a football match. They did, and they won it 4-1 away from home. That's good, right? I, I think undeniably so. I mean, and against a whole side that had been defying the odds and having a, a pretty decent season so far, certainly looked very solid. Uh, and we dismantled them. I mean, 4-1, it's, I know at one, get, at one point the game was kind of poised at 2-1 and felt like, I don't know, maybe there was a little bit of jeopardy injected into it, but really, this was a game where we missed a lot of chances. Uh, a penalty kick, you think of that one Alexis spooned mm. over the bar. Meza Ozil missed an absolute sitter, didn't yeah, he? So, yeah, he did. Could have been anything, really. Could have been a real, real hammering. But 4-1 away from home, always a terrific result. Yeah. So, look, um, where, do, where do we start with it? Because it was pretty comfortable, even though, I guess we could look at the team, we could pull it apart and say there are still a few issues, weren't there? You know, team selection, everyone's going, well, he's got to be playing. He's got to play Granit Xhaka. He's talked about <laughs> Granit Xhaka in his press conference. He says he's going to be a huge, uh, influential player for us. Now is the time to play Granit Xhaka. He's played Coquelin and Cazorla in two games in a row. You know, he might want to rotate that, you know, use the, the fullness of his squad. And he picked Coquelin and Cazorla again and played Alexis Sanchez up front. Now, I don't know if you can necessarily argue too much against selection decisions when you go away from home and win 4-1 after being away from home in the Champions League. Like, I don't think there's an awful lot of second-guessing you can do there. But still, it's, worth, it's probably worth talking about. Let's, I mean, Alexis up front, how, how did you feel that went? Uh, well, I mean... It very nearly could have been a hat-trick game, couldn't it? I mean, he scored two goals. Mr. Penalty was involved in some key moments. I, I am amazed that uh, he continues to persist with it. I mean, I suspect if Olivier Giroud had been fit, maybe it might have been different. Uh, I know we had Lucas Perez there and on the bench, but 
what I think is interesting about this team is that it kind of feels like the lineup he selected at Hull is going to be very close to the one he picks against Chelsea mm. next weekend because in between you've got the Capital One Cup game. But I think it would take something pretty special from someone in that Capital Cup. Uh, it's not called that anymore, is it's it? Definitely it's definitely not the Capital Com Cup, James. It's definitely no. not called that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's called the, the EFL Cup now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's going to take something pretty special from someone on Tuesday night, I think, to to leap them up into that side. So, I think Alexis playing there against Hull means he's he's pretty likely to play there against Chelsea, and Arsenal's persistence with it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was just something he was doing to to cover for while we signed someone. You know, until the end of the transfer window. But having used it against Paris and again against Hull, mm. I don't know. Is it is there is it more of a long term consideration than that? Do you think it it seems to be all right, doesn't it? Because yeah, like you say, he picked him against Paris Saint Germain. He picked him against Watford away. He did have Lucas Perez as an option uh, to play as a striker, and he could have played. Uh, he could have played Alexis in in one of the wide positions. It seems mm-hmm. to be something that he's he's definitely trying to make work. And you know, I thought he was a bit underwhelming, generally speaking, Alexis. I thought, you know, he should have scored that that uh, one that Walcott set up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he dropped off a little bit too much. There were times where he was like in midfield, he was doing little dinky passes with, with Mesut Ozil. And you're going, well, who who the fuck is up front? When we do get the ball wide, eventually, who's in there? Well, you know, to answer so, that question, go on. and maybe put a positive spin on things, is, is there something to be said for the fact that maybe Alexis personally didn't have the most eye-catching game, but... Alex Awobi and Theo Walcott, who were playing in those those wide forward positions, maybe profited a little bit from that. And when he dropped deep, were sort of able to to get into those attacking spaces. I mean, Walcott obviously yeah. scored his goal. Awobi was a threat throughout the match, I thought. So maybe there's something to be said for the way that trio functions rather than just looking at Alexis on yeah, his own. I think that's a fair point. And certainly the manager said something about that after the game with Walcott in particular is that he's got mm. the ability to get in behind when Alexis drops deep. So maybe there is, you know, a tactical master plan here. Maybe Alexis dropping off and, and moving out of position isn't necessarily uh, just Alexis being Alexis. It's part of a plan. Maybe he wants to, you know, drag the, the center halves a bit out of position so that someone like Walcott, someone like Iwobi can, can use the space. Um, yeah. may, maybe I mean, that's look- what it is. I mean, it's it's a it's a, a crazy comparison in some respects. But Barcelona played with Lionel Messi as a, a number nine in theory for for the best part of two three years, and he was very rarely stationed there. I think, you know, it, I suppose if you've got a system that serves that, it can work. But then that you know that he is also Lionel Messi, so it's a slightly different kettle. He of is fish. he is pretty brilliant, at, yeah. you know, generally speaking. But I mean, you know. The, it, we can have reservations and we can look at it and go, his performance, generally speaking, wasn't wasn't really that. Maybe we're looking at it through the prism of, well, is this what we want a centre-forward to do? What we expect a centre-forward to do and what Arsene Wenger maybe wants the player in the centre-forward position to do are two very different things. And ultimately, mm-hmm. he's come out of it with two goals. He has. And if you look at his, his record this season, you know, it makes for, for very good reading. I think he's what he's played... Uh, for started four Premier League games, got three Premier League goals, one one for one in the Champions League, mm. so four and five. I mean, he, he's he's looking very efficient, certainly in terms of you know when uh, when he's getting those chances in the penalty area, and uh, I think there's more to come from him in the in the position. I think he's 
still kind of learning it, especially in the Premier League. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like it might be something that we have to get accustomed to to watching because mm. I think he's going to be there probably, I say, as I say, for the Chelsea game next week and possibly beyond if, it, mm. if that goes well. So, look, we, we're 1-0 up. Uh, Iwobi involved in, in the goal. Theo Walcott cross, panned out to Iwobi. I thought it was initially Iwobi's goal, but obviously Alexis mm. deflected it in. And then Alexis decided to take the penalty um, and missed it. I mean, it was a bad penalty. There's no two ways around that. It was just a a bad penalty, and I think uh, perhaps Arsene Wenger... Go on. I was going to say, did you see, I think it was the whole left-back pointing to his goalkeeper about where Alexis was going to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, As Alexis was running up. Telegraphed, really. Yeah, a little bit. It it was not a good penalty, and given that Santi Cazorla scored two penalties this season, uh, he should have taken it. I think Arsene Wenger was a little bit unhappy about the fact that 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 went down, that uh, Cazorla was the designated penalty taker. And I think, you know, if you're going to have issues uh, deciding who's going to take penalties, decide it before you go out on the pitch. Um, mm. So, I mean, I think I think Cazorla should probably have just told him to fuck off <laughs> and taken yeah, it maybe. himself. But, you know, there's, there is that thing. He's the striker. Maybe he's feeling confident. You know, we've seen it plenty of times before. You can get away with it if you score it. If you don't score it, you just look like a dick. Um, so, yeah. I agree. And, and I th- But, you know, if you imagine that conversation uh, and you think about what we know of Santi and what we know of Alexis, I, I kind of feel like there would maybe only be one winner there. You know, <laughs> if Alexis decides he wants to take that penalty, yeah. he's probably going to be taking it. That's probably uh, true, but- yeah. It wasn't the best, was it? I mean, you know, Santi, as you say, scored the previous week. So, and, you know, probably should have taken his seniority and ultimately listened to the manager. <laughs> that would yes. have been ideal, wouldn't it? Yes. But, okay, so look, even so, they're down to 10 men just before half time. Second half, we get the goal relatively early in the, in the second half. Theo Walcott makes it 2-0. And after that, you know, I just felt... Like, we we made a lot of passes just for the sake of making passes. Even Arsene Wenger said afterwards, you know, we played without purpose to score mm. another goal. Um, you know, I found that a little bit worrying. Not worrying, I guess. Maybe we could be nitpicking. You could be accused of nitpicking, given the result and given the final scoreline. But, you know, when you, you look at the fact that uh, Hull got one back, it could have been worse. Like, if Livermore mm. sent off... You could probably, if you're giving a penalty against Petr Cech, make a good case for sending Petr Cech off. And it could have been it could have been a lot different in the last 10, 15 minutes. Well, I think we were the beneficiaries. I think that's been a rule change this summer, has it not? Where yeah, yeah. That, that last man's no longer sending off. But, you know, when you look at those objectively, those two decisions, one being sending off, one not, I think it's kind of like, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, to weigh up, you know, why is Liver- what Livermore did... If you if checks is a foul, which I think is in some question, you know, because it's one of those annoying mm. ones where the player kind of knocks the ball past him and charges him to. But once it is, is that as as grave uh, an offence as what Livermore did? I well, think, you I know, think... the keeper was standing right behind Livermore, so Livermore yeah, made yeah. the save, but the keeper was right there. I don't think Cockerland's shot was like screaming into the top corner or anything. It was a fairly tepid effort. And it was, he just it was stuck Cockland, his, yeah, so. yeah, he just stuck his hand out and, you know, letter of the law, maybe it's a, it's a red card. But, you know, the, the fact that we were in a position where that kind of incident could have cost us mm. uh, or could have caused us more danger, you know, we really... What, what, what frustrated me was the fact that they were down to 10 men 
and we just passed it around midfield and we went backwards and cross and backwards and across and we tried everything to go down through the middle lots of little like one touch flicky flacky bollocks uh, in around the edge of the box and we never really tried to stretch them we never looked like we were out of second gear we never tried to play with a bit more pace a bit more urgency and I know it's difficult when you're you know playing against 10 men who are sitting and, and trying to maintain their defensive shape but the fact is you do have an extra man and you've got the ability to pull them around and we didn't really do that and I thought uh, when they scored I was like oh for fuck's sake you know if they get another goal here this is entirely our fault for just being a little bit complacent thinking that you know we were going to win it and just keep the ball and you know not not factoring in the vagaries of football Um, just one good pass can cause you all kinds of problems Uh, and that seemed to be the case I mean the reaction then having having uh, conceded the goal the reaction was you can't argue with that like Alexis no. banged in the third and then Granit Xhaka uh, spanked in a, a really brilliant uh, fourth goal. But, you know, you, you you shouldn't be on that knife edge, I don't think. I don't think so. I wonder if, you know, it's difficult because we're against 10 men, really, which kind of negates any excuse. But I wonder if maybe it had something to do with the fact that we had played that sort of tricky game in Paris in midweek. Maybe there was a, yeah. a bit of legginess there that made us a bit more conservative in our approach. But really... You know, the game, although the, ultimately the final score shows the gulf between the two teams, uh, it should never have been as tight as it was for those first 70 minutes or so in terms of the scoreline. Mm. Mm. We should have been out of sight, I thought, both probably by half-time. Um, and yeah. certainly once we went 2-0 up. But still, 4-1 away from home, what what can you say? You, you'd take that in a heartbeat if someone offered it to you before the game. So... Um... You know, yeah, and some great goals. Like I, I obviously Walcott's goal, um, a, a, a remarkable assist, wasn't it? A piece of brilliant, yeah. brilliant skill. He was great, wasn't he? Iwobi, from an attacking point of view, he was really so positive throughout. I thought so. I mean, what, what's? I mean, Arsenal's spoken about him at length after the game, and I, I think what's so impressive about him is that he can kind of do, he can kind of go any way with the ball at his feet. You know, he's someone who's got the power to and speed to beat a man, the skill. He's got the vision to look for a pass, and he's not afraid to take a shot on, which I really like about yes. him. We've seen so many players come through at Arsenal who you feel like they're a little bit timid in front of goal. Not a Wobi. He's got the confidence uh, to, to, to really you know have a go, basically, when, they, when it opens up for him. And that makes him such a, an unpredictable threat for the opposition and creates a bit of chaos in the back line, which is very, very welcome. Yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, there were moments where I thought, I think, you know, there are, there are certain things people say, well, maybe he shouldn't be the guy who's, who's got to be tracking back. But when you're being played out on the wide uh, areas, I think there is a, a duty to do a bit more defensive work. That would be just a slight concern. And it's not even that uh, he's not aware. There were just a couple of times where I felt like some of the, some of the tracking back was just a little bit ha- half-hearted. Like mm-hmm. he could have kept going. He could have been a bit more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He could have just fucking tried a bit harder. That's all. Um, I, which I is to take you, nothing. I, Go on. I, well, I, I noticed that in the second half, he, he was a little bit better. I did wonder if something had been maybe said at half time. Yeah. Because in that first half in particular, there were a few occasions when the Sunderland right back, you know, roared past him at, with a bit too much ease, really, for anyone's liking. Mm. But with a young player who's still learning the kind of tactical side of the game, it's it's quite easy to forgive that because going forward, I thought he was exhilarating, really. And in a team with Alexis Sanchez and Meza Ozil, he was probably the most exciting 
and effective player, which is, oh, yeah. for, for a guy of 20, he's an academy product, absolutely incredible. Yeah, plus I think, generally speaking, he's going to end up as somebody playing more often, let's say, in the Mesodoso role than mm. as a wide attacker. I think mm. ultimately he's going he's gonna to be a, a central player. He mm. just strike because of what you're saying. He can go either way. He's got a good shot on him. Uh, you know, he can do good work out on the on the flanks. But I think probably in the long term, he's going to end up more as a somebody who can play off a striker or somebody who can play in a more central role. So, uh, you know, maybe the the onus isn't on you as much there when you're uh, when you're playing that central area, but certainly when you're playing wide. And look, Monreal has has taken some stick this season. I just think you know he's been a bit exposed also. Um, defensively, yeah. hasn't been as protected as he as he normally is. So, uh, so that's I think that's, that's a thing. I think that's true. But I mean, so as I say, I, I love the goals and the third and fourth. I mean, Alexis is he he made it look simple, but the way he struck that ball with the outside of his foot to lift it up into that top corner, uh, I really had a lot of time for that. And then mm. Shaka, Oof. I mean, that's not what we bought him for, but <laughs> yes, it <laughs> I'll is. Take a few of those. Fucking yes, it is. Is, well, is that not why we bought him? You know, maybe that's part of why we bought him because you know we do have central midfield players who will, who will just make the pass. You know, true, who can true. keep the ball and you know to give yourself a different threat. I mean, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago after the Watford game. We talked about how he provides a different threat because he can he can create from deep. But he also uh, provides a different threat if he's a guy who can fuck the ball into the top corner from 30 yards because nobody else seems willing to do that. Nobody else seems willing to have a go. You know, mm. there were moments even during the, the whole game where you're going, oh, fuck, go on, just have a pop. Somebody have a pop. It's there for you to have a shot if you want. Like for, for Mesut Ozil, a couple of times it opened up and you're going, have a go, just have a go. Don't always play the, the safe option. Don't always play the percentage pass. Have a go, and Jacka certainly is willing to do that, and has got the quality to do that. So maybe that gives defenses something to think about as well. Yeah, well, it was an incredible strike. I mean, uh, yeah, I just thought it's one of those that you sort of he's travelling towards the edge of the penalty box, and watching it, you can't help but think, "Go on, have a shot." But as Arsenal fans, we're so used to players turning sideways and playing the simple <laughs> ball that when he actually unleashed one, uh, it was such a shock and what a rocket! I mean. Yeah, what a way to open your account. Yeah, pretty brilliant. We're going to probably discuss his uh, selection or lack of selection in in part two and the questions. I imagine there may be questions. There may yes. be questions. But, I mean, do you see him, for example, starting on Tuesday against Nottingham Forest? I think surely. Surely he has to now. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't started since the Watford game. That's right, isn't it? Three, mm. three matches he's been on the bench for. And I think, yeah, he needs the, he needs the minutes and he'll he'll be desperate to seize the opportunity. What did you make of his celebration? This kind of you know the finger. Did you who did you think that was aimed? I at? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't give a fuck either. Really, <laughs> it's just like okay, keep doing that. If that's a message to Arsene Wenger, I think the goal is more a message to Arsene Wenger than the uh, the celebration. I don't think Xhaka is the kind of guy. Certainly, he doesn't come across as the kind of guy who is even if he's feeling a little bit uh, unhappy about being on the bench, he's not going to like mouth off to his new manager at his new club after like less than four or five weeks of the season, you know? So I don't know that it was necessarily 
anything to do with, with Arsene Wenger. I think the, the goal, the fact that he came on, played well, and spanked one in from 30 yards, I think that's more of a message to the manager than, than anything else. Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't interpret it as anything to do with the manager per se. I think it was more about the, the chatter that surrounds him and the fact that he's mm. going to do his talking with the ball at his feet, and he certainly did that on Saturday. Mm. All right, so look, a good, a good weekend uh, from our point of view for the most part. Not all the results went our way, um, but in terms of the response from the opening day of the season, we've won three in a row now. We're unbeaten in four. Um, you know, the, the opening day was very disappointing, but it feels just maybe just a little bit like we're getting on the right track. Yeah, certainly. And we're in fourth, guys. It's, al- it's already running out. But I uh, no, I think the results, the results are better than the performances right now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, they're also uh, probably more important. So. Of course, and I think there were positive signs from the the whole game, even if they were down to ten men. Uh, you know, I think there were positives to be taken from that. And yeah, I'm um, not sure we've played better than that this season. I think um, maybe the first so. 45 minutes against Watford was the best we've played. Right, okay, I would say. I didn't um, see that full game, so I right. can't really comment on. Yeah, that. I, I would say that that 40, the first half against Watford was the best we've played. Uh, but okay. but the whole game, certainly in terms of the way we we defended, we didn't give them chances. Even when they did have eleven men, um, there were positives there. You know, after what happened against uh, Southampton, what happened against PSG, we weren't cut wide open. So from that point of view, that 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 was a positive. So look very quickly, um, the EFL Cup on Tuesday uh, tomorrow night even though we're mm. recording this on Sunday, making it sound... Anyway, Tuesday night, we're playing Nottingham Forest. Nicholas Bentner, Henry Lansbury, uh, yes. but a chance for the manager to rotate his squad quite considerably, I would say. Surely, surely he will. I mean, uh, the squad is sort of deeper than it has been for some time. I mean, the, the CFL Cup, you know, has traditionally been an opportunity for younger players, but mm. we've got so many senior pros that we're looking to get a game. I'm not sure how many youngsters we'll get a look in. Should we try uh, pick a team? Yeah, that's okay. Have a go. Well, you'd think it'd be David Ospina certainly in goal. Um, yeah, and that you know after his excellent performance against PSG isn't too much of a worry. Uh, the defence is kind of the trickiest. Kieran Gibbs, yeah, has only made back. one he's gonna sub come appearance. In. So yeah, far, but he's so going. Gibbs is going to come in, and I think we'll have Gabriel and Holding at centre half. But is Matthew Debussy alive? Does he still exist? I'm not sure that either he or Carl Jenkinson are alive in any tangible way. Carl Jenkinson is alive because he was at the screening of the game at the Emirates ah. the other day and he was giving it some bants, apparently, uh, on the microphone. Yeah, but is Debushi alive? I mean, has... Look, I don't, I don't want to, like, start a ridiculous rumour here, but has Arsene Wenger killed Matthew Debushi and buried his body somewhere in the woods? Um, I don't think that's ridiculous. I mean, it's probably not a rumour. It, it may well have happened. He, he certainly not doesn't seem to be partaking in first-team training. There's some talk of an injury. So if, um, he's, if he's not around, who plays right back? I mean, do you well, play Hector where it gets again? Complicated. I, you could play Hector again, or I do wonder if maybe maybe you play holding there and you put a bit of seniority, seniority in at the back with Koscielny. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Um, or you have got Christian Bielik as well. He could play at centre half. Oh, uh, of course, yeah. A young players impressed in pre-season. Yeah, I think. Hmm, 
I think it's probably going to be Bellerin asked to play again. Right. For myself. I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. Maybe we could use Bielik and, uh, and push Holding out. But I think if he's going to use Rob Holding, he'd rather use him as a centre half. Um, yeah, so maybe there's, I, I don't know if there's somebody in the youth team who could who could step up. So there's there's a big unanswerable force midfield. I'm guessing Shaka, uh, Shaka and El Nani, El Nani, and who's going to play the creative, the Ozil role because Mesut Ozil is not going to play. Um, well, your options include. I mean, there's Alex Oxlade Chamberlain could play in a central role potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking at a younger player. Maybe the Jeff. The Jeff. The Jeff. Uh, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I don't know. Or, or, I mean, I don't know. I think, do, do we think Giroud will be available? Yeah, but if it's not Giroud, it's going to be Perez, I think. So I think we're going to see. It could be both of them, though, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. It could be Perez wide. He played wide as a sub briefly against Hull. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll play. I think Oxley Chamberlain will play, won't he, in some capacity? Yeah, and then there's yeah, there is the Jeff, of course, as well. So, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the Jeff will start. Maybe a more maybe. He's, hang on, Shaka El Nenny. I don't know who's going to play that number ten role. Yeah, uh, difficult to say. I mean, the other I option mean, is that you do you play Oxley Chamberlain centrally, and then you play Giroud up top, and you're. Your wide men are, you know, Perez and Akpom, who's played wide at a point in his career. That's an option, I guess. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to see if Giroud's toe injury uh, <laughs> is recovered in time for him to play. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see who he picks and who he brings in from the uh, the academy team, who's the youth team players that he brings in. You know, someone like uh, Chris Willock, for example, yeah. um, who could play... Uh, who else? I don't really know. Well, I think Willock's definitely one. I think Bielik will be one. Uh, Akpom. I mean, the interesting thing is for these guys, I think particularly in the case of an Akpom, he hasn't gone out on loan. Mm. And he can't go out on loan now until January because there's no more emergency loans to the lower leagues. And this, these, is, this, this is his chance, isn't it? Yeah. This is it. But when yeah. you lay out the team like that and you look at maybe Giroud needing minutes, maybe Lucas needing minutes, you wonder, you know, how much of a chance is he going to get? Mm. Uh, um, who else is there to consider? Yaya Sonogo, we believe, still still injured. <laughs> He's buried uh, somewhere with Macha Debushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, Ainsley Mait- Maitland-Niles, who's uh, who had a very uh, good season last year for Ipswich. Again, yeah. he's not somebody who's who's going to have a chance to play first-team football apart from this competition. So it depends how much seniority he brings in. But look, it's going to be interesting anyway. I think uh, it'll be fun to see what sort of a team he puts out and how they perform on Tuesday night. Very exciting, very exciting. And, and great to see your friend of mine, Nicholas, again. He is, of course, the greatest striker that ever lived and everybody should be grateful <laughs> and welcome to have the opportunity to see him do his stuff. He's going to do something, isn't he? He's going to do something. Oh, God. I dread to think what he's going to do. Um, yes, I think he is. Uh, I mean, imagine. Imagine. He's going to Bentley. score, and then he's going to run over to the Arsenal dugout, and he's going to rub his mickey all over the back of the dugout like it's a taxi. Well, that, yes, that would be that, that. would be an absolute classic move from Nick Manor. That's one of his trademarks, of course. <laughs> all right, well, look, we'll see what happens on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, for now, though, we're going to take a short break. We'll be uh, right back with part two and your questions after this. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. But James, before we continue, we should talk a little bit about what's happening next weekend. A live yes. Arsecast Extra in New York City. Start spreading the news. <laughs> we, we're on our way. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to be in the Barley Corn, which is, um, I just looked it up here. Goddamn. It's 23 Park Place, New York. So if you're in the uh, New York area, New York vicinity, we're going to be doing this podcast on Sunday around lunchtime. I'm not 100% sure of the uh, kickoff time just yet, but probably around midday, 1 o'clock on Sunday in the Barley Corn. Arsenal will be playing Chelsea on the Saturday, the day before that. So we're going to be watching the game, and then obviously we'll we'll talk about the game and whatever the hell might happen. Obviously, Diego Costa is going to do something despicable, which we'll all hate. Um, and who knows how it's going to go apart from that. But we'll be in the Barley Corn. So if you want more details, check out... Um, Facebook.com forward slash Arsenal NYC. They have all the details and we're going to be there. So if you're around, please feel free to come come along. It'll be uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, terribly exciting. And according to Google, the Barleycorn is an ample tavern with stylish wood and stone decor offering many craft beers and an elevated grill menu. Well, look, so, I think those are the things that we look for when we go and do a podcast in a place, isn't it? The elevated grill. It didn't have those things before. We just demanded them. Yeah, that, that was came. part of our rider, yeah. Get us yeah. those or we're not doing it. <laughs> if there's not stylish wood and stone decor, we're not getting on that plane. Yeah, we don't want any old wood. We want stylish wood. That's it. Yeah. We don't want any, any old decor. It's got to be stone. Yeah. Uh, but in absolute seriousness... Very excited. It'd be lovely to see as many of you as possible. Yeah, there. yeah. Please do come on down. And if you need details, as I said, facebook.com forward slash Arsenal NYC or give us a shout on Twitter at Arsblog and at Gunnerblog. We'll do our best to uh, to answer the questions. Uh, if not, we can point you uh, certainly in the right direction. So that's next Sunday, September 25th in the Barley Corn uh, Park Place, New York City. Woo! Big time. Big time. That's yeah. good. All right. Um, here's a. Uh, will we do questions? Let's do. We, we usually do, don't we? We do. This is the whole part of the show where we do the questions. 
It would be a shame to break from tradition at this stage. It would be, and, and then instead, like, sing, make, yeah. just sing to people. That would be really bad, yeah. actually, yeah. Just talk about our problems. I know we do do that, to be fair. <laughs> quite a lot. We do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, did you see what happened to Emmanuel Adebayor, by the way? No. The latest twist in the sad tale of Emmanuel Adebayor. He was set to sign for Leon as a replacement for... Uh, Alexandra Lacazette, who's picked up a, a fairly significant injury. That Arsenal DNA obviously was present there all along. Uh, but they pulled out of a move to sign him at the last minute because he wanted to go and play for Togo in the African Cup of Nations. And they said, uh, no, thank you, and turned their back on the deal. So right. yet another Arsenal favourite suffering uh, some sad news this weekend. What you know, Blimey. Karma's really kicking in in a big way this September. Wow. Well, you would have thought that, yeah, look, it's difficult, isn't it? If he wants to play for Togo, then you can understand that. But, mm. I mean, they can't stop him, really, can no. they, from, from international duty? But I guess, no. they, you know, they can not sign him, which is what they've done. So um, That's what they've done. So mm. poor old Emmanuel, back to the drawing board. If anyone is looking club. for a late call-up uh, for your five-a-side, for your power league <laughs> team, I know this guy... I think- yeah, I think Nottingham Forest might well go for it. See if they can get it done before Tuesday, pairing with Nicholas Bentner. Can you imagine? Oh, that would be amazing. The fireworks. They hated each other, didn't they? Yeah, that would be great. The two of them just kicking the shit out of each other. If there's one thing they hate more than uh, each other, it's Arsenal. So, <laughs> Well, you know, in fairness to Bentner, he did have Adi Bayor twigged as a bit of a cunt before yeah. most people. So That's true. That's true. He's got the, he's got very good instincts, mm. hasn't he? Just not in, not in front of goal, sadly. <laughs> All right, here's a, here. I'll do a question. Right, uh, okay. this one comes in from TMG, who is at just another arse, and he wants mm. to know what would you rather, Mourinho to get the sack before Christmas or Stoke to be relegated? <sighs> oh, I think Mourinho to get the sack. You know. Mm. Although, although, here's the twist in that particular one. Right. If he's doing so badly that he's in contention to get the sack, I'll probably want him to stay. Yeah, it's you that know, thing, it, isn't it? happened it? Yeah, with yeah. Chelsea last season. He was, you know, you wanted him to get sacked, but you also were like, but this is brilliant. This is <laughs> hilarious. Watching him, you know, suffer and watching Chelsea implode. I probably won't want that to end. I'll dra- want to drag it out as long as possible. Mm. Mm, and to be rid of Stoke. It would be a certain pleasure there, wouldn't there? Yeah. I mean, you know, this Premier League would be a safer place, a prettier place, a nicer <laughs> place. Um, uh, I think I'd still have to take Jose being sacked, simply because if he were to be sacked from another top club in England after another pretty disastrous spell, surely, surely we'd be rid of him for a good while at least. Yeah, for a couple of months Anyway, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, you see, the, the whole thing about Mourinho being sacked by Christmas does not preclude Stoke going down. I think Mark Hughes is obviously doing a tremendous amount of work uh, in that regard. Mm. He's, he seems to be uh, fulfilling that ambition for us. So thank you, Mark Hughes. Keep it up. Uh, we all applaud what you're doing. But, yeah, definitely the humiliation of Mourinho being fired by Manchester United after being fired by Chelsea... Uh, would be just fucking hilarious. It would be amazing. So I would, de- I would definitely want to see that happen. Because the only reason that it could happen is if things are just so appalling. He would have had to lose 
the dressing room completely. The way he did at Chelsea, it was obvious he lost the dressing room at Chelsea. Gus Hinnink came in and wasn't a complete cunt, and the players started playing for him. Um, mm. And that was fairly obvious. So if it was a case that he managed to completely lose the Manchester United dressing room before Christmas and results were so bad that he had to be sacked, imagine what it would take for the Manchester United board, having brought him in, having trumpeted him as you know, the the guy who was going to bring them back to the top, having given him how much money to fucking spend? I how don't know. Much? I mean, God knows. Oh, God like no. 100 God million on Pogba. 100 million on Pogba. The, uh, the centre-half guy cost, what, 25 million? Oh, maybe potentially more than that, baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else did they bring in? Ibrahimovic, um, that's like a, an investment in wages of fucking... Twelve million pounds fortunes, and then Mkhitaryan as well. Mkhitaryan, yeah. So again, you know, thirty million pounds. Having given him that much money, imagine how bad it would have to be for them to like go. Oh fuck, we've got no choice. We can't. There's nothing else we can do but fire him. It would be amazing. Like one of the one of the best things that ever happened in football. So oh, I'm yeah. I'm a hundred percent on for Mourinho being uh, sacked by Christmas, and then Stoke can do what the fuck they do. <laughs> who gives a fuck I'll be too busy laughing that's it I think I I mean you know I've got my issues with Stoke but I think I would I'd gladly put those to one side to see Mourinho get his comeuppance yeah yeah. it'd be glorious oh god so good so good yeah. so next question yeah um okay let's have this one This I like the one this is fra- way this is phrased we had a lot of questions like this but it's Halfa Dinari and they ask, why do you honestly think Arson isn't starting Shaka? Honest answers only, please. Oh, I was going to make up a big story. Yeah, I know. No oh. lying. Honest answers only. Honest? Who's got time for honesty? Um, well, the problem is the honest answer is that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think um, he spoke about it at length in his press conference before the game and he talked about, you know, partnerships and he likes pairings that work together and he's he's being a bit cautious after uh, after losing the opening game of the season. So he knows that Coquelin and Cazorla has worked for him in the past. It obviously hasn't functioned as well as it uh, as well as it might have done this season so far. Um Jack It was better against Hull though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. I thought Coquelin was really good actually against Hull. Um mm. And I guess he's just sort of looking at it as, well, look, I've I've signed this guy on a four or five year deal and it's only four or five weeks into the season. And I think we have a little bit more anxiousness uh, when it comes to seeing new players because, well, you know, we like new players. They're good. They're, uh, you spend 35 million pounds on a player. You're going, well, put him in the team. And, you know, the idea of, of Arsene Wenger spending £35 million on a player who isn't going straight into the first team is very confusing, right? It's really quite confusing because that's a huge investment for him. It's a very significant uh, amount of money. It's the second biggest transfer that he's ever made uh, after Mesut Ozil is more or less on a par with with uh, Alexis Sanchez and, and Mustafi. Uh, so you're kind of going, well, why have you spent all that money if you're not going to use the guy straight away? I think he's just being overly cautious. That's all. I don't think there's anything too sinister about it. I don't think there's like anything where he's going, well, I don't want this player. Stupid Arsenal board going out and buying a player I didn't want. And now I'm going to have to use him. You know, that we know that's not how it works, right? So I just think yeah. he's easing him into action 
uh, maybe with a bit more uh, caution than we would like, maybe with a bit more ca- more caution than than is actually needed. But I just think that's what it is. That's my honest, honest answer. I think. Well, I think we all appreciate that. Good. Uh, do you want to know my honest answer? Of course. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I. I think if I had to give a have a hazard a guess, I would say that I think a lot of it's actually to do with the situation with the defence. I think the fact that he's had to throw Mustafi in yeah, straight yeah, away, yeah, 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 and so have a new partnership bedding in in the back four. He probably doesn't want to then in front of that put another brand new partnership. Mm. Um, so the fact that he's had to do that in the defence means he's less inclined to do so in the midfield. And I think once Mustafi's more settled, maybe that's when uh, we'll see Shaka getting more of a run. That is a very good point. That's a very interesting point, all right? Because maybe if it was behind, if he had Mertesacker and Koscielny behind, he'd be more inclined then to put in the the new guy, yeah. Yeah, I I hadn't thought of that. He doesn't doesn't want to destabilise things too much, especially if he's with the situation at centre-forward, he's mixing it up and playing Alexis there. So he wants something that's kind of resembles what what he had last year and the year before so mm. i think that's i think that's what motivates it but if shaka keeps doing what he did the weekend i mean he, he'll have to throw that plan well i mean he did say i mean what he did say was like you know he's not in the team yet but when he does get in there he's going to be a, a, he's going to have a huge impact is what yeah. he said he didn't just say well i'm not sure about this guy he's like very positive <laughs> yeah. about what he can bring to the team it's just you know when he's going to when he's going to allow him to to do that so you know i'm not i'm not that worried about it or freaked out about it even if i would have liked to have seen him start against Watford. but as i said you know we ended up winning 4-1 so you can't really complain too much about the team that he picked uh, when it goes out and wins 4-1 so Absolutely. All right, so while we're on the subject of Granite Xhaka, Lex Mm -hmm. Carlin, who is at Alexis Carlin, he would like to know, was that the best first goal since Bergkamp's? Oh, what a lovely question. Bergkamp's was against Southampton, was it? It was. I mean, since then, I mean, Thierry, was Thierry Henry's first goal also against Southampton? It was. Away, and that was a brilliant goal. That was a great goal, yeah. Um, it's not the best first goal since Spurcamp. Well, I remember was Robin van Persie's first goal rather excellent. Do you remember that? Was that I one where he kind of him. cut in from? Yeah, it was a late goal. I, I'm not sure if it was his first, but I, I feel like he was on the corner of the penalty box at Highbury, right? And he bent it into the top car- corner. Um, I am. Furiously googling. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to do it now as well. <laughs> uh, but I can't yet find it. Uh, okay, top five on. Arsenal goals? Could it be that? So uh, that's a contender. If I'm right about that, if I'm right about that, I may not be. 2004 right. it would have been. Robin van Persie, 2005, 2006. When did he? 2004, 2005. Was that when he made his debut? I think it might have been. He made his competitive debut on 27th of October, scoring Arsenal's opening goal in a 2-1 League Cup win over Manchester City. Well, that was the... also the game in which uh, Danny Carbassian Danny scored. Danny Carbassian his... scored. Yeah. So that's not the goal I'm thinking of. So that doesn't. However, count. his first league goal came in the next game, where we had <laughs> we were losing to Southampton 2-1. Southampton again. Southampton again. We were losing 2-1. Rory DeLapp had scored two goals. 
I don't know if he just oh, threw okay. them straight in, but yeah. certainly Rory <laughs> Delap had scored two goals. Thierry Henry had put Arsenal ahead in the 67th minute. Delap scored in the 80th minute and the 85th minute. And Robin Van Persie came off the bench to replace mm. Freddie Jumberg, and then he, he scored that goal, yeah. yeah. Right, so that was his first league goal. That was a good goal, as I recall. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other contenders since Burkham. Yeah. Does anything spring to mind for you? No. Um, what was Arshavin's first goal? I don't know. Well, I think it's... He scored that brilliant goal against Blackburn that I absolutely loved. The one where he uh, lifted it over was... the keeper, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that was his first. Um, nor was his first the part of the whole Liverpool... No. Oh, maybe it was against Blackburn, Arshman's first Arsenal goal. Uh, yeah, according to Google, it was anyway. Right, that was uh, a good one. Let me have a look. Yeah, that's a great goal. He gets the ball on the left flank, heads towards the penalty area little shimmy inside, and then lifts it somehow around and over the rotund form of Paul Robinson. <laughs> it was a big target, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good goal. But I can't think of many more spectacular than Jackers. No. It reminded me a bit of um, that moment where, I know it wasn't scored in an Arsenal shirt, but the summer we signed Thomas Rosicki, <clears throat> he was playing in an international tournament for Czech Republic and he absolutely smashed one in from but that his, kind of But his first goal was fucking brilliant as well. I, I think uh, Rosicki's first goal was away in the Champions. It could have been against Dortmund. Oh, yeah. That was a good that one. That was a great goal. Yeah. That was a great goal. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that any of these are better than Shaka's, I have to say, just in terms of the sheer, sheer velocity of the shot. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm uh, sure there's something we're missing, but oh, Meza Erzul's first Arsenal goal was, was that, that not against, against Napoli? Yeah, that was pretty special. That was a good goal. Yeah, it was a good Cushion goal. Volley. Yeah, it was a very nice goal. I wonder what uh, like Podolski's and Giroud's first goals for Arsenal were. Podolski was against Liverpool. Giroud was against Coventry in the League Cup. It was a nice goal, actually. It was a chip, a bit of a yeah. chippity doodah. But again, yeah, you know, missed a penalty prior to that in the game. Right, uh, Podolski first Arsenal. I think he goal. scored his first goal against Liverpool on the opening day of the season. Remember the game when Diaby played an amazing. He was amazing in midfield, and everyone went, "Oh, yeah, if I only Diaby would was, stay fit." I think that was the, our second game of the season, maybe. But I don't know. But yeah, that right. was his first goal, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, who else apart from that? I I can't think of any. Cazorla. Like, what was Santi's first goal? It wasn't. I said it wasn't at West Ham, was it? Uh, where he got a hat trick. Do you remember that goal? That was an excellent goal. Thirty yeah. yards out at West Ham. No, God, he, scored in the, he scored in the Liverpool game as well. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, Santi used to like take shots from distance. Come on, Santi. He used to score from more. open play. Yeah. The commentator said against Hull that if he scores his next goal as a penalty, he'll break a Premier League record in terms of scoring only from penalties. I think it'll be something like eight in a row. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. He obviously okay. didn't know that. Or he wouldn't have he would definitely have taken the penalty. Or maybe it's not a record you want. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like I'd t If I was the penalty taker, seriously, and someone tried to take it off me, I'd be like, no, fuck off. I'm the penalty taker. You can't have the ball. Go was away. Mikel... Oh, no. I was going to ask if Mikel Arteta's first Arsenal goal was that, that free kick, but it wasn't. Um, oh, the one where, where Arsene Wenger talked about his tiny feet? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently he scored uh, in a 4-3 defeat against Blackburn. Oh, yes. I've got bad memories oh, of that, that game. Oh, that was terrible. Do you remember? Like, somebody got roasted on the halfway line, I can't remember, and then did Juru score an own goal? Someone Something scored an like own that. goal. Oh, God, I, that was an awful game. I've got grim memories of that match, mm. yeah. Um I don't. I, it's one that I sort of could Google and find out more about it, but I feel like bad things went on. And yeah, it's probably for the best. That I don't know. Yeah, we've forgotten that one. We've forgotten that one. And it's best. Um, it's best. Best left forgotten. I think it's best left forgotten. But what was Arteta's goal? Oh, it was just a nice sort of finish arriving on the edge of the box. That was it. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Well, we've had a lovely trip down memory lane here, but yep. I'm not sure. If we're I'm forgetting sure something, finding... please let us know. But I think uh, maybe yes, it is the best. Opening goal since uh, since Bergkamp. What about David Bentley? Was that his debut? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, beautiful chip in the uh, FA Cup against Middlesbrough. Yeah, but you know it was David Bentley. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. Forget it. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's have another question. I'll be fascinated to hear your take on this. this oh, is from really? Pa- yeah, <laughs> Pat and Charlie Power, and he asks. Are we seeing the Joel Campbellization of Theo? He's tracking back and attempting tackles. We're seeing something, something from Theo <laughs> Walcott that we didn't see last season. That's for sure. There's, mm. there's certainly a commitment to his, to his play that wasn't there. Whether it's confidence, whether it's him just redoubling his efforts, um, I think you know. I think he's had a pretty okay start to the season, to be honest. You know, he was there was some good and bad against Hull. There was one moment where he was put through in the second half, and he I don't know why he didn't shoot, but he tried a cross and he put it out for a goal kick. And there were a couple of moments. Uh, I think I I noticed you mention it on Twitter, where he didn't necessarily control the ball as well as he could have, mm. and the reaction from from Mesut Ozil was was very obvious. Yeah, there was yeah, a, like, yeah. oh, gosh, what is he doing? There's a couple of those. No! Um, but generally speaking, this season, I, you know, he's been he's been much more committed. He's tried harder. He's worked harder. He's scored a couple of goals. And whether it's the Joel Campbellization or not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But I do wonder maybe if somebody, whether it was Arsene Wenger or somebody else, said to him, look, you know, you're actually probably a bit lucky to be still around this season. So, you know, it's time to put in the extra effort. And, and to be fair to him, he was posting videos, wasn't he, on Instagram of him doing extra stomach crunches and, like, playing with massive balls. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean like, that... medicine balls, James. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine, fine. But, yeah, I completely agree i think i'm surprised that he's turning over what seemingly is a a new leaf after 10 years with the club we're seeing things that we haven't seen for some time and uh i don't know do you think maybe it's connected to a bit of certainty about his role in the side i mean he seems to be he seems to be focused on this right wing position and it's it's benefiting him there again this is the confusion that exists um because I don't know why. Remember, you know, Theo Walcott said, I don't want to be a striker anymore. And Arsene Wenger said, well, 
his defensive work isn't good enough to play on the right-hand side. So Arsene Wenger's reaction to the thing that he himself said is to pick him there pretty much every week since the season has begun. So I don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't pretend to understand it or to know exactly what's going on. But, you know, look, the least... The very least you can ask from a player is that they give you 100%. And I think some of the frustration, a lot of the frustration actually regarding Theo Walcott was, look, people have been well aware of his technical issues for quite some time, right? When he clubs the ball out of play and runs it out for a goal kick, we're not surprised because we've seen him do that from the very first time he got into the Arsenal team. It's part of what he does. But it was the stuff like jumping out of the way of the tackles and the lack of commitment and the lack of just, you know, being uh, not up for it, I guess, uh, for want of a better phrase, you know, putting him putting himself on the line a little bit for his team. And maybe we're seeing him do that this uh, this season. And look, that you can't argue with that. Um, th- there's a long season to go. And, I you know, I still think that there are – that's a position in this team that we could improve – but if he's prepared to put in the hard work and if it results in some goals and some assists, I mean, I think he should have had an assist uh, at least uh, for Alexis. That was a terrible miss by Alexis. Um, if we're seeing some end product from his football again, then that's not a bad thing. No, I agree. It's all it's positive, really. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's been pretty efficient as well in terms of when he's had chances, he's, he's done all right with them. So mm. at the moment, he's uh, he's worth his place in the side. All right, here is a question from Victor Souza at V underscore Felipe underscore. And he wants to know, Monreal isn't in his best form yet. Do you have any concerns? Well, I think as you said earlier, he he hasn't been protected massively well, certainly not by Awobi at the weekend. He's had Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in front of him before that. And we know the kinds of problems he's had defensively. Uh, so I think that's probably a factor I mean what age is Monreal now he's 30 yeah be 31 in February so he's not exactly at the age where you expect a player to fall off a cliff or anything like it you know um I think he's got a good few years left at, at the top level and I actually think he's he's had some pretty he did pretty well against Hull and against Southampton he was uh isolated and made some pretty important challenges I know he got a bit unlucky with the one from which they scored the free kick, but I think I think what we're seeing is that he's been exposed, but he's standing up to that challenge relatively well. And I think in a team that functions better defensively, we'll see something more like the Montreal yeah. that we saw last season. Sure, I agree entirely with that. And I have nothing to add to it. Well, there we go. Yeah. That was a, a quick and easy one. Yeah. Um, well, let's have... Uh, this is from Benjamin Draper. Uh, and I wonder what you make of this. He says, uh, is Alexis up front part of his contract negotiations? No. <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. I No, I, I, I don't think that's got anything to do with it. Um, I'm not even sure he'd want to play there, to be honest, if yeah, it was up to him. I don't think so it, either. Um, I, I don't think that would be part of the reason why he's being picked there. I think he's being picked there because the manager is looking for something specific from his team and perhaps from he's trying to as you pointed out earlier maybe trying to find a a threesome a trio even up front that that works well together Uh, but I don't think it's got anything to do with his contract Um, 
No, I don't. I don't think that's a factor at all. Like in the sense that, like, he's demanding to play there. This is why. Yeah, we yeah. saw stories of like about with about similar uh, about Theo Walcott, didn't we? A few few years ago, yeah. when he was getting a run through the middle, and Arsenal was saying he will, and then he signed a new deal, and then suddenly that kind of didn't come to pass. So I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think things like that are ever really part of contract negotiations, are they? I mean, you play where the manager needs you to play. Yes, yeah. that's the deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Play where you're picked, and I think that's that's about the size of it. So I think I think Alexis's issues with his contract don't really have anything to do with where he's playing. No. Apart from if you want to like expand it and say it's Arsenal in London, maybe that's where his issue is. But uh, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. So yeah, want to watch maybe. All right, Kyle Holton wants to know why was the red card a circle? Yes, I don't know. They've been rebranded, presumably. I guess. But but by who? By why? For what? For what's the reason? Why? Why? Well, the Premier League's had an overhaul, hasn't it? It hasn't got a sponsor anymore. There's no Barclays anymore. The Lions looks different. It does, uh, the, I think oh, the Premier League anthem's different. How the fuck does the Premier League not have a sponsor? They, I think, just decided that they didn't need one anymore because they got so much bloody money. Right. And they were like, it's they want to preserve the integrity of the brand. I think I'm right about that. I think it's now just the Premier League. We should, oh, this would be amazing. Imagine if we could sponsor the Premier League and it was called the Arsecast Extra <laughs> Premier League. <laughs> that would be great. That would, that be, would be pretty be awesome. I'm not sure we could afford it, but. I mean, I don't know what what Barclays were paying, but I suspect it's probably suspect, a bit beyond what we could afford. However many people start using cornerstone razors, <laughs> I think we're going to struggle <laughs> to sponsor the Premier League. But let's give it a go. Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. We could be the uh, sponsors of the Premier League if you guys shave more often. So look, exactly. not trying to put any pressure on you. But yeah, Which the circle. Should, scruffy the, bunch. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe then, maybe then the yellow card should be a different shape. What shape? Should the yellow card be? If the red card is a circle, what shape should the yellow card be? I don't know, a semicircle? And then you hold up two semicircles, Ooh. and when it joins together, on, then you flip it round, on the back they're red. Right. I like nice. it. Yeah. Or it could be like an origami thing where like you fold them together and they make another shape. I don't know. I think it should be a hectagon. Is there a reason for that? Well, I guess because a hectagon is a hundred-sided polygon, and I would just like right. something that's got a hundred sides. Wow. It looks pretty that... much like a circle, though. Right. <laughs> I mean, why do you think they've gone for a circle? Why do you think they were like... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, wouldn't because... it be awesome if it was in the shape of, like, a, f- a hand giving a, f- a middle finger? Like, that's your that red card. Great. Get off. Get off. Yeah. Like a circle, it's sort of stop, isn't it? I wouldn't leave the pitch. I'd be going, I'm stopping. You just told me to stop. I, I can't move. You just, said, you just said stop. I don't know. That's um, true. It's a stop sign. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 listen, I prefer the, the classic, the top pocket square set, a card. That's what I want to see. Yeah. But, you know, the game's gone, as they keep saying. <laughs> Round uh, red cards around now. But keep fucking with it. Maybe you just have a triangle for a yellow card, or you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
It's quite interesting. They still have practical cards, don't they? You think they'd have like a bit of technology that you know they press a button and it's a yellow light or a red light or whatever. But no, no, I've got the old bits of card in the top pocket. Yeah, imagine if it was like a really, really, really thin piece of yellow card, and in right. order for it to show it, the, the the referee had to run over to the linesman and stretch it out, like for oh, ages. Nice. That would be amazing. I'd that like would that. Be cool. Yeah. I'd like some of that. That'd Just be yeah, well, a bit of variety, bit of difference. Yeah. If when we sponsor the Premier League, that's what will happen. Absolutely, we'll make sure that the cards are the entertainment. None of this football bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have like the King, Ace of Spades on it, whatever King of Hearts. You know. <laughs> um, um, have you got one more? I've got one more. Right, it's a tricky one. Oh, it's no. from Johnny Stacy, and it refers back to what we were saying about Harry Kane earlier. He asks at Johnny Stacy one. Would you rather no. suck Harry Kane's thumb <laughs> no. or, or John Terry's big toe? Oh, my God. Oh my Just be God. glad it's his toe. Just be glad it's his toe. <sighs> Harry Kane's thumb or John Terry's big toe? That's pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, I think I would have to suck Harry Kane's thumb. Oh, God, even you saying it unsettled me. I know it is. It's disgusting. But imagine what John Terry's big toe looks like. The big toe of a man who's been playing professional football for whatever, 20 years. Yeah. It's got to be disgusting, right? It's got to be one of the worst toes you've ever seen. Oh, God. And maybe Harry Kane's thumb is covered in MDMA so I can at least get off my tits. Whereas with, with John Terry's big toe, it would be just like a... Oh, could you imagine the nail? Even if there is a nail, there might not be uh, a nail on it, James. I don't think it looks like a nail. I don't think it's, it looks like a nail. It's either, like, so thick and yellow. Or That's just, how I'm picturing it. Or it's not there. There's no there's no nail there at all. Just like oh. a squishy mess. A squishy kind of, oh, remember, that's where I, like, uh. In so, my head, there is a nail, but it's, like, it's yellow and, like, ridged. Yeah. That's how a nail would be if it was there, but if it, I, I suspect it's probably not there at all. Maybe. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I suppose I should answer this as well. Mm. It's got to be the thumb, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be the thumb, and maybe, maybe you would get a sort of a, a satisfying whiff of Jillabodji <laughs> <laughs> off, off it. And that would make it all worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's the one glimmer of hope that we have. The saving grace. The saving grace. What a disgusting question to end the podcast with. Well, I, I thought it seemed appropriate. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, thank you very much indeed for listening. As always, we're going to be back next week. Uh, we will have an Arscast Extra for you, which will be recorded live in New York City. So please, if you're in New York, it's not too much trouble or difficult for you to come along and uh, join us. We'll uh, we'll be talking into microphones, uh, this kind of nonsense, which you've all come mm. to know and expect. Uh, but there'll be beer and, of course, James, stone decor. Oh, that beautiful stone decor. Mm. We're looking forward so- to that. It's worth coming for that alone, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, we will have an Arscast uh, this week as well, uh, but it will be probably out for you on Thursday because uh, I'm traveling, obviously, towards the end of the week. So uh, keep your ears out for that. But again, thanks very much indeed for listening. Uh, apologies for uh, uh, images and visions of John Terry's toe. I mean, it's just... Uh, uh. 
horrific. It's horrific. horrific. It is horrific. But uh, right now I'm going to go drink a beer and uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much indeed. We'll uh, catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.